0: Chapters eight and nine of Don Quixote, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Leader. Don Quixote, Volume two. By Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. Translated by John Ormsby. Chapters eight and nine. Chapter eight. Wherein is related what befell Don Quixote on his way to see his lady Dulcinea del Toboso Blessed be Allah the all powerful says Hermete Benengeli, on beginning this eighth chapter. Blessed be Allah he repeats three times, and he says he utters these thanksgivings at seeing that he has now got Don Quixote and Sancho fairly afield and that the readers of his delightful history may reckon that the achievements and humours of Don Quixote and his squire are now about to begin, and he urges them to forget the formal chivalries of the ingenious gentleman and to fix their eyes on those that are to come, which now begin on the road to El Toboso, as the others began on the plains of Montiel, nor is it much that he asks in consideration of all he promises, and so he goes on to say. Don Quixote and Sancho were left alone, and the moment Samson took his departure, Rocinante began to neigh, and Dapple to sigh, which, by both knight and squire, was accepted as a good sign and a very happy omen, though, if the truth is to be told, the sighs and brays of Dapple were louder than the neighings of the hack, from which Sancho inferred that his good fortune was "'to exceed and overtop that of his master, "'building, perhaps, upon some judicial astrology "'that he may have known, "'though the history says nothing about it. "'All that can be said is that when he stumbled or fell, "'he was heard to say he wished he had not come out, "'for by stumbling or falling there was nothing to be got "'but a damaged shoe or a broken rib, "'and, fool as he was, he was not much astray in this.' said don quixote sancho my friend night is drawing on upon us as we go and more darkly than will allow us to reach el toboso by daylight for there i am resolved to go before i engage in another adventure and there i shall obtain the blessing and generous permission of the peerless dulcinea with which permission i expect and." feel assured that i shall conclude and bring to a happy termination every perilous adventure for nothing in life makes knights-errant more valorous than finding themselves favored by their ladies so i believe replied sancho but i think it will be difficult for your worship to speak with her or see her at any rate where you will be able to receive her blessing unless indeed she throws it over the wall of the yard where i saw her the time before when i took her the letter that told of the follies and mad things your worship was doing in the heart of sierra Morena, didst thou take that for a yard wall sancho said don quixote where or at which thou sawest that never sufficiently extolled grace and beauty "'It must have been the gallery, corridor, or portico of some rich and royal palace.' "'It might have been all that,' returned Sancho. "'But to me it looked like a wall, unless I am short of memory.' "'At all events, let us go there, Sancho,' said Don Quixote. "'For so that I see her, it is the same to me whether it be over a wall, or at a window, or through the chink of a door, or the grate of a garden.' for any beam of the sun of her beauty that reaches my eyes will give light to my reason and strength to my heart, so that I shall be unmatched and unequalled in wisdom and valor. "'Well, to tell the truth, Signor,' said Sancho, "'when I saw that sun of the lady Dulcinea del Toboso, it was not bright enough to throw out beams at all. It must have been that, as her grace was sifting that wheat I told you of, the thick dust she raised came before her face like a cloud and dimmed it what dost thou still persist sancho said don quixote in saying thinking believing and maintaining that my lady dulcinea was sifting wheat "'that being an occupation and task entirely at variance "'with what is and should be the employment of persons of distinction "'who are constituted and reserved for other avocations and pursuits "'that show their rank a bowshot off.' "'Thou hast forgotten, old Sancho, "'those lines of our poet wherein he paints for us how.' "'In their crystal abodes those four nymphs employed themselves, "'who rose from their loved Tegos, "'and seated themselves in a verdant meadow "'to embroider those tissues, "'and which the ingenious poet there describes to us, "'how they were worked and woven with gold and silk and pearls. "'And something of this sort must have been the employment of my lady "'when thou sawest her, "'only that the spite which some wicked enchanter "'seems to have against everything of mine it "'changes all those things that give me pleasure, "'and turns them into shapes unlike their own.' And so I fear that, in that history of my achievements, which they say is now in print, if happily its author was some sage who is an enemy of mine, he will have put one thing for another, mingling a thousand lies with one truth, and amusing himself by relating transactions which have nothing to do with the sequence of a true history. Oh, envy, root of all countless evils, and canker-worm of the virtues! "'All the vices, Sancho, bring some kind of pleasure with them, "'but envy brings nothing but irritation, bitterness, and rage.' "'So I say, too,' replied Sancho, "'and I suspect, in that legend or history of us "'that the bachelor Samson Corasco told us he saw, "'my honor goes dragged in the dirt, "'knocked about, up and down, "'sweeping the streets, as they say, and yet—' On the faith of an honest man, I never spoke ill of any enchanter, and I am not so well off that I am to be envied. To be sure, I am rather sly, and I have a certain spice of the rogue in me, but all is covered by the great cloak of my simplicity, always natural and never acted, and if I had no other merit, save that I believe— as I always do, firmly and truly in God, and all the holy Roman Catholic Church holds and believes, and that I am a mortal enemy of the Jews, the historians ought to have mercy on me and treat me well in their writings. But let them say what they like. Naked was I born, naked I find myself. I neither lose nor gain. Nay, while I see myself put into a book and passed on from hand to hand over the world, I don't care a fig. "'Let them say what they like of me.' "'That, Sancho,' returned Don Quixote, "'reminds me of what happened to a famous poet of our own day, "'who, having written a bitter satire against all the courtesan ladies, "'did not insert or name in it a certain lady "'of whom it was questionable whether she was one or not. "'She, seeing she was not in the list of the poet, asked him what he had seen in her that he did not include her in the number of the others telling him he must add to his satire and put her in the new part or else look out for the consequences the poet did as she bade him and left her without a shred of reputation and she was satisfied by getting fame though it was infamy in keeping with this is what they relate of that shepherd who set fire to the famous temple of diana by repute, one of the seven wonders of the world, and burned it with the sole object of making his name live in after ages. And though it was forbidden to name him, or, or mention his name by word of mouth or in writing, lest the object of his ambition should be attained, nevertheless it became known that he was called Aristratus. And something of the same sort is what happened in the case of the great Emperor Charles V and a gentleman in Rome, The emperor was anxious to see that famous temple of the Rotunda, called in ancient times the Temple of All the Gods, but nowadays, by a better nomenclature, of All the Saints, which is the best preserved building of all those of pagan construction in Rome, and the one which best sustains the reputation of mighty works and magnificence of its founders.' it is in the form of a half-orange of enormous dimensions and well lighted though no light penetrates it save that which is admitted by a window or rather round skylight at the top and it was from this that the emperor examined the building a roman gentleman stood by his side and explained to him the skilful construction and ingenuity of the vast fabric and its wonderful architecture "'and when they had left the skylight, he said to the emperor, "'A thousand times, your sacred majesty, "'the impulse came upon me to seize your majesty in my arms "'and fling myself down from yonder skylight, "'so as to leave behind me in the world a name that would last forever.' "'I am thankful to you for not carrying such an evil thought into effect,' "'said the emperor, and I shall give you no opportunity in future "'of again putting your loyalty to the test.' "'And I therefore forbid you ever to speak to me or to be where I am.' "'And he followed up these words by bestowing a liberal bounty on him. "'My meaning is, Sancho, that the desire of acquiring fame is a very powerful motive. "'What thinkest thou, was it, that flung Horatius in full armour down from the bridge "'into the depths of the Tiber? "'What burned the hand and arm of Mutius? "'What impelled Curtius to plunge into the deep burning gulf that opened in the midst of Rome? "'What, in opposition to all the omens that declared against him, made Julius Caesar cross the Rubicon? "'And to come to more modern examples, what scuttled the ships and left stranded and cut off the gallant Spaniards "'under the command of the most courteous Cortes in the New World?' All these, and a variety of other great exploits, are, were, and will be the work of fame that mortals desire as a reward, and a portion of the immortality their famous deeds deserve. Though we Catholic Christians and knights-errant look more to that future glory that is everlasting in the ethereal regions of heaven than to the vanity of the fame that is to be acquired in this present transitory life—a fame that— however long it may last, must, after all, end with the world itself, which has its own appointed end. So that, O Sancho, in what we do, we must not overpass the bounds which the Christian religion, we profess, has assigned to us. We have to slay pride in giants, envy by generosity and nobleness of heart, anger by calmness of demeanour and equanimity, gluttony and sloth by the spareness of our diet and the length of our vigils, lust and lewdness, by the loyalty we preserve by those whom we have made the mistresses of our thoughts, indolence by traversing the world in all directions, seeking opportunities of making ourselves, besides Christians, famous knights. Such, Sancho, are the means by which we reach those extremes of praise that fair fame carries with it. "'All that your worship has said so far,' said Sancho, "'I have understood quite well, but still I would be glad "'if your worship would dissolve a doubt for me "'which has just this minute come into my mind.' Solve, thou meanest, Sancho. "'Say on in God's name, and I will answer as well as I can.' "'Tell me, Signor,' Sancho went on to say, "'those Julys or Augusts, and all those venturous nights "'that you say are now dead?' "'Where are they now?' "'The heathens,' replied Don Quixote. "'Are no doubt in hell. "'The Christians, if they were good Christians, "'are either in purgatory or in heaven.' "'Very good,' said Sancho. "'But now I want to know. "'The tombs where the bodies of those great lords are, "'have they silver lamps before them? "'Or are the walls of their chapels "'ornamented with crutches, winding-sheets?' Tresses of hair, legs, and eyes in wax? Or what are they ornamented with? To which Don Quixote made answer The tombs of the heathens were generally sumptuous temples. The ashes of Julius Caesar's body were placed on the top of a stone pyramid of vast size, which they now call in Rome St. Peter's Needle. The Emperor Hadrian had for a tomb a castle as large as a good-sized village which they called the Mollus Adriani, and is now the castle of St. Angelo in Rome. The queen Artemisia buried her husband Mausolus in a tomb which was reckoned one of the seven wonders of the world. But none of these tombs, or of the many others of the heathens, were ornamented with winding sheets or any of those other offerings and tokens that show that they who are buried there are saints.' "'That's the point I'm coming to,' said Sancho. "'And now tell me, which is the greater work, to bring a dead man to life, or to kill a giant?' "'The answer is easy,' replied Don Quixote. "'It is a greater work to bring to life a dead man.' (laughs) "'Now I've got you,' said Sancho. "'In that case, the fame of them who bring the dead to life—' "'who give sight to the blind, cure cripples, "'restore health to the sick, and before whose tombs "'there are lamps burning, and whose chapels "'are filled with devout folk on their knees, "'adoring their relics, be a better fame in this life "'and in the other than that which all the heathen emperors "'and knights-errant that have ever been in the world "'have left, or may leave, behind them.' "'That I grant, too,' said Don Quixote. "'Then this fame, these favors, these privileges, or whatever you call it, said Sancho, belong to the bodies and relics of the saints who, with the approbation and permission of your Holy Mother Church, have lamps, tapers, winding sheets, crutches, pictures, eyes and legs, by means of which they increase devotion and add to their own Christian reputation. Kings carry the bodies or relics of saints on their shoulders and kiss bits of their bones and enrich and adorn their oratories and favorite altars with them what wouldst thou have me infer from all thou hast said sancho asked don quixote my meaning is said sancho let us set about becoming saints and we shall obtain more quickly the fair fame we are striving after for you know Senor yesterday or the day before yesterday for it is so lately one may say so they canonized and beatified two little barefoot friars and it is now reckoned the greatest good luck to kiss or touch the iron chains with which they girt and tortured their bodies and they are held in greater veneration so it is said than the sword of roland in the armory of our lord the king whom god preserve so that signor it is better to be an humble little friar of no matter what order than a valiant knight-errant with god a couple of dozen penance lashings are of more avail "'than two thousand lance-thrusts, "'be they given to giants, or monsters, or dragons.' "'All that is true,' returned Don Quixote, "'but we cannot all be friars, "'and many are the ways by which God takes his own to heaven. "'Chivalry is a religion. "'There are sainted knights in glory.' "'Yes,' said Sancho, "'but I have heard say "'that there are more friars in heaven than knights-errant.' "'That,' said Don Quixote, is because those in religious orders are more numerous than knights the errants are many said sancho many replied don quixote but few they are who deserve the name of knights with these and other discussions of the same sort they passed that night and the following day without anything worth mention happening to them whereat don quixote was not a little dejected but at length the next day at daybreak they descried the great city of el toboso at the sight of which don quixote's spirits rose and sancho's fell for he did not know dulcinea's house nor in all his life had he ever seen her any more than his master, so that they were both uneasy, the one to see her, the other at not having seen her, and Sancho was at a loss to know what he was to do when his master sent him to El Toboso. In the end Don Quixote made up his mind to enter the city at nightfall, and they waited until the time came among some oak-trees that were near El Toboso and, when the moment they had agreed upon arrived, they made their entrance into the city, where something happened to them that may fairly be called something. End of Chapter 8 Chapter 9 WHEREIN IS RELATED WHAT WOULD BE SEEN THERE "'Twas at the very midnight hour, more or less, when Don Quixote and Sancho quitted the wood and entered El Toboso. The town was in deep silence, for all the inhabitants were asleep, and stretched on the broad of their backs, as the saying is. The night was darkish, though Sancho would have been glad had it been quite dark, so as to find in the darkness an excuse for his blundering. All over the place nothing was to be heard except the barking of dogs, which deafened the ears of Don Quixote and troubled the heart of Sancho. Now and then, an ass brayed, pigs grunted, cats mewed, and the various noises they made seemed louder in the silence of the night, all which the enamored knight took to be of evil omen. Nevertheless, he said to Sancho, (laughs) Sancho, my son, lead on to the palace of Dulcinea. It may be that we shall find her awake. Body of the sun! What palace am I to lead to? "'said Sancho, when what I saw her highness in "'was only a very little house.' <laughs> "'Most likely she had then withdrawn "'into some small apartment of her palace,' "'said Don Quixote, to amuse herself with damsels, "'as great ladies and princesses are accustomed to.' "'Señor,' said Sancho, "'if your worship will have it in spite of me "'that the house of my lady Dulcinea is a palace, "'is this an hour, think you, to find the door open?' "'And will it be right for us to go knocking till they hear us and open the door, "'making a disturbance and confusion all through the household? "'Are we going, do you fancy, to the house of our wenches, "'like gallants who come and knock and go in at any hour, however late it may be?' "'Let us first of all find out the palace for certain,' replied Don Quixote. "'And then I will tell thee, Sancho, what we had best do. "'But look, Sancho, for either I see badly—' "'or that dark mass that one sees from here should be Dulcinea's palace.' "'Then let your worship lead the way,' said Sancho. "'Perhaps it may be so. "'Though I see it with my eyes and touch it with my hands, "'I'll believe it as much as I believe it is daylight now.' Don Quixote took the lead, and, having gone a matter of two hundred paces, he came upon the mass that produced the shade, and found it was a great tower.' and then he perceived that the building in question was no palace but the chief church of the town, and said he, "'It's the church we have lit upon, Sancho.' "'So I see,' said Sancho, "'and God grant we may not light upon our graves. "'It is no good sign to find oneself wandering in a graveyard at this time of night, "'and that, after my telling your worship, if I don't mistake, "'that the house of this lady will be in an alley without an outlet.' "'The curse of God on thee for a blockhead!' said Don Quixote. "'What hast thou ever heard of castles and royal palaces "'being built in alleys without an outlet?' "'Señor,' replied Sancho, "'every country has a way of its own. "'Perhaps here in El Toboso it is the way to build palaces "'and grand buildings in alleys. "'So I entreat your worship "'to let me search about among these streets or alleys before me, "'and perhaps in some corner or other.' "'I may stumble upon this palace, "'and I wish I saw the dogs eating it "'for leading us such a dance.' "'Speak respectfully of what belongs to my lady, Sancho,' "'said Don Quixote. "'Let us keep the feast in peace "'and not throw the rope after the bucket.' "'I'll hold my tongue,' said Sancho. "'But how am I to take it patiently "'when your worship wants me, "'with only once seeing the house of our mistress, "'to know always—' "'and find it in the middle of the night when your worship can't find it, "'who must have seen it thousands of times?' "'Thou wilt drive me to desperation, Sancho,' said Don Quixote. "'Look here, heretic, have I not told thee a thousand times "'that I have never once in my life seen the Pires or "'or crossed the threshold of her palace, "'and that I am enamoured solely by hearsay "'and by the great reputation she bears for beauty and discretion?' I hear it now, returned Sancho, and I may tell you that if you have not seen her, no more have I. That cannot be, said Don Quixote, for at any rate thou saidst, on bringing back the answer to the letter I sent by thee, that thou sawest her sifting wheat. Don't mind that, Signor. I must tell you that my seeing her and the answer I brought you back were by hearsay too, for I can no more tell who the lady Dulcinea is than I can hit the sky sancho Sancho," said don quixote there are times for jests and times when jests are out of place if i tell thee that i have neither seen nor spoken to the lady of my heart it is no reason why thou should say thou hast not spoken to her or seen her when the contrary is the case as thou well knowest while the two were engaged in this conversation they perceived someone with a pair of mules approaching the spot where they stood "'and from the noise the plough made, as it dragged along the ground, "'they guessed him to be some labourer who had got up before daybreak "'to go to his work, and so it proved to be. "'He came along singing the ballad that says, "'Ill did ye fare ye men of France in Roussensvalier's chase?' "'May I die, Sancho,' said Don Quixote, when he had heard him, "'if any good will come to us to-night.' "'Dost thou not hear what that clown is singing?' "'I do,' said Sancho. "'But but what has Ronson's Valier's chase to do with what we have in mind? "'He might just as well be singing the ballad of Caliños "'for any good or ill that can come to us in our business.' By this time the labourer had come up, and Don Quixote said to him— can you tell me worthy friend and god speed you whereabouts here is the palace of the peerless princess dona dulcinea del toboso senor replied the lad i am a stranger and i have been only a few days in the town doing farm work for a rich farmer in that house opposite there live the curate of the village and the sacristan and both or either of them will be able to give your worship some account of this lady princess FOR THEY HAVE A LIST OF ALL THE PEOPLE OF EL Toboso, THOUGH IT IS MY BELIEF THERE IS NOT A PRINCESS LIVING IN THE WHOLE OF IT. MANY LADIES THERE ARE, OF QUALITY, AND IN HER OWN HOUSE, EACH OF THEM MAY BE A PRINCESS. "'Well, then, she I am inquiring for will be one of these, my friend,' said Don Quixote. "'Maybe so,' replied the lad. "'God be with you, for here comes the daylight.' and without waiting for any more of his questions he whipped on his mules sancho seeing his master downcast and somewhat dissatisfied said to him senor daylight will be here before long and it will not do for us to let the sun find us in the street it will be better for us to quit the city and for your worship to hide in some forest in the neighbourhood "'and I will come back in the daytime, "'and I won't leave a nook or corner of the whole village "'that I won't search for the house, castle, or palace of my lady. "'And it will be hard luck for me if I don't find it. "'And as soon as I have found it, I will speak to her grace, "'and tell her where and how your worship is waiting for her, "'to arrange some plan for you to see her "'without any damage to her honor and reputation.' "'Sancho,' said Don Quixote, Thou hast delivered a thousand sentences condensed in the compass of a few words. I thank thee for the advice thou hast given me, and take it most gladly. Come, my son, let us go look for some place where I may hide, while thou dost return, as thou sayest, to seek and speak with my lady, from whose discretion and courtesy I look for favours more than miraculous.' Sancho was in a fever to get his master out of the town, lest he should discover the falsehood of the reply he had brought to him in the Sierra Morena on behalf of Dulcinea. So he hastened their departure, which they took at once, and, two miles out of the village, they found a forest or a thicket wherein Don Quixote ensconced himself, while Sancho returned to the city to speak to Dulcinea, in which embassy things befell him which demand fresh attention and a new chapter. End of chapter 9 Recording by John Leader, Bloomington, Illinois